Good afternoon. I'm Jim Murphy here at Grow Forward. I'm, I'm really happy to um, introduce everybody to Phyllis Lockett, who's CEO of Leap Innovations here in Chicago. Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's great to have mm -hmm. you here and, and great, great to learn more and more about what you're doing and what you've been doing. But um, you're from Chicago, aren't you? I am. I'm Chicago born and bred, South Sider. Uh-huh. And you went to school all the way through? All the way through. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up really all over the city and um, I had a set of grandparents in Inglewood, set of grandparents in Roseland. That's uh, where I went to school actually. And um, both In Roseland? Yeah, part of my uh, sixth through eighth grade. Where, and I, you go in Roseland? I went to Wendell Smith Elementary okay. School. Uh, and uh, then Lynn Bloom in Inglewood. Um, both of my parents grew up in Chicago. We're former Chicago public school teachers. Um, so yeah, this is this has been my life. I noticed that um, uh, after high school that you went to Purdue. I did. And did engineering. How, studied industrial how, engineering. How did that happen? You know, my mom. You know, I uh, so I grew up on the South Side, and um, my both my parents are educators. Think the, the, probably and all their friends were educators, were Chicago Public School educators, and they they motivated me to do anything but education. <laughs> and so, when I was in high school, my mom got me involved in a program called Inroads, and um, they helped to recruit um, young uh, African American and Latino students who were really good in math to pursue careers in engineering or in business. And so I took the engineering route, um, you know, took classes, extra classes at IIT over the, over the weekends, and then I ended up getting uh, into Purdue to study industrial engineering. I'm working on some program uh, at Purdue now. I, I'm going to have to hook you Are in you? on that. Yeah, I'm oh, gonna, good. I'm going to hook you in on that. It's a good program. Yeah, no, Boilermakers. It's a great, I mean, it was a great school. It was super hard, I right. got to say. It was, um, I don't, you know, I, I was not as prepared as I would have liked to have been. Um, you know, it's part of what what's kind of built my, my desire to ensure um, really good access to education, but it was a phenomenal experience to, to kind of go there and have that, have that opportunity. Engineering can be very difficult. Yeah. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, I know when I was in college, it, some people went into engineering, some people went into organic chemistry in order to go to medical school, and then in the second year, we saw them in liberal arts with me. You know, they just, they didn't make it. It's hard. It's hard. It's well, see, hard. So the thing is, I, I knew I didn't totally want to be an engineer, but I was, you know, it's like, okay, if I can get an engineering degree, I can do anything. Right. So what I did is I took probably the, 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 the less um, concentrated uh, of the engineering disciplines that would allow me to really understand business and systems. So that's why I chose, that. that's why I chose IE. So it's been a great, it's kind of followed me throughout my whole career. Do you have any thoughts on your favorite high schools in Chicago that prepare young men and women to be engineers? Well, at the time, you know, it's, so I'm dating myself, but there, there were two, no, three selective enrollment high schools around when I was uh, in high school in Chicago. So Whitney Young, mm -hmm. Lynn Bloom, and uh, Lane Tech. So, you know, Lynn Bloom and Lane Tech were really known for, you know, the technical, you know, more STEM uh, heavy focused schools. So those were the ones, but we've got a lot of great high schools now in Chicago. Right. Um, a lot of, you know, the, our selective enrollment high schools are among the best performing in the state. Right. So I think we're, we're, we're way ahead um, of where we were when I was coming through. I also noticed you went and got yourself an MBA. Was that right out of college or did you go to work for a while? No, I went to, uh, you know, I interned at IBM in Chicago. And so I came back um, to Chicago and uh, you know, actually my mom was, was um, dying of cancer. And so mm. she and my dad married for 32 years. So I was really fortunate 
that I had that opportunity uh, with an internship at IBM. They gave me a job offer, so I came back to Chicago to help my dad um, and my mom's transition, actually. And so um, I lived with my dad. Like most, most, most kids, like graduate from college and get out. <laughs> I went back home. I did the opposite. I went back home, and my dad and I took care of each other for about four years. And then um, I was really fortunate. I got a full ride to go to to go get my MBA at Kellogg, and so I did that. And what was your focus there? Uh, marketing. Yeah, uh -huh. really interested in marketing, and um, you know, I was I was a, a marketing rep at IBM, uh, sold large systems, um, you know, f uh, in the distribution uh, uh, area for for IBM, like True Value Hardware Store, and lots of folks that were really trying to upgrade their their systems uh, mm -hmm. to be more more automated, automated and innovative at the time, and so I wanted to, you know, I was I, what I wanted to do was think about how I could get ahead of that sell cycle. You know, I was already selling somebody else's product idea. I wanted to come up with the product ideas. So I uh, went into brand management and uh, went to uh, General Mills and then Kraft Foods right after uh, Kellogg. Did you have to go out of town to do General Mills or did you do it from here? No, 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 I actually, yeah, I know, I've gone very far in my life, right? <laughs> so <laughs> I've been a Midwest girl. I uh, moved to Minneapolis yeah. and, uh, and worked uh, for the big cheese division, so I, um, worked on Cheerios and um, let's see, uh, Wheaties. I like Cheerios. Really great, I great, like Cheerios. great. So I'm going to go on record. It's as that. awesome. Um, <laughs> then I did a lot of snacks uh, stuff. I worked on Nature Valley granola bars and then spent a lot of my time on kid snacks. Not Oscar Mayer because they were owned by Kraft. Kraft right? Foods, yeah, right. they were Kraft. Right. So I, but I did come back to uh, to Chicago and ultimately worked at Kraft. Uh -huh. uh, Oscar Mayer was uh, in Wisconsin, so I worked in the cheese division, which was located here. Right. Kraft Foods. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so at some point in time, there was some you decided to make a change out of that, right? Yeah, I sure It sounded like it was going pretty well, and you decided to make a switch. Where, what happened there? Yeah, you know, so it was, it's interesting. So when I um, when I moved back from Chi from Minneapolis to Chicago. Um, you know, I kind of had one of those reckonings where I move back home and I'm, you know, go back to the communities that where I grew up, and it was one of those moments of was it this bad when I was growing up or has it gotten worse? And honestly, I think it was a combination of the two. And um, uh, you know, I I was you know, started to get involved in programs. I got on the board a city year. I got on the board of a wonderful program called the Abraham Lincoln Center, uh, working on a big welfare to work project and. Honestly, you know, I fell in love with that work. It just felt much more gratifying to me than helping Kraft come up with their next cheese product. <laughs> Call me crazy. <laughs> so I uh, actually, you know, talked to some, talked to some friends and uh, met, met some folks who work for the city of Chicago and decided to leave Kraft and uh, go work for the city of Chicago for a year. Mm -hmm. And folks, you know, stopped me in my tracks and said, what are you doing? You know, my dad thought I was nuts. Right. <laughs> but, you know, it was, uh, I just really wanted to figure out how I could leverage my education background and my business background to make an impact in some way. So I, I took the And that first organization, what was it, something Alliance or? Yeah, you Civic? know what, so I ended up, uh, yeah, I went to the city of Chicago for about a year and then I, I went to what's now called the Civic Consulting Alliance. So it was an amazing um, uh, opportunity because, so the Civic Committee of the Commercial Club of Chicago, oh, right, okay, which okay. basically sure. is an extraordinary organization here, um, had a subsidi subsidiary group called, um, it was called FRAC at the time, Financial Research and Advisory Committee. And this group uh, was really focused on, um, you know, identifying um, business solutions to bring into city government so city government could operate uh, more efficiently. So I worked on really big projects. Like when I came on, I uh, worked on CTA's $2.8 billion 
capital improvement program. Uh, I worked on CHAs, uh, Chicago Housing Authorities, their, their $1.5 billion plan for transformation. It's the largest um, um, housing reorganization in the country. And um, you know, I ended up getting the heads of McKinsey and Booz Allen and Bain and others on my board. And I hired burnt out MBAs like me that wanted to make a difference. And we <laughs> worked on some really great projects with Mayor Daley and his team at the city of Chicago. Um, so, and I changed the name. It was uh, named years ago, Frack. We changed the name to Civic Consulting they Alliance. Needed a, <laughs> they needed a branding person, marketing yeah. person, come up with a better name. There you name. go, that's what I did. That's and I, <laughs> I, in fact, I renamed the organization and then I left to start New Schools for Chicago. Okay. <laughs> so that was in the early 2000s that you moved down to New Schools. Yeah. And that, well, tell the, everybody about that and what was the, what was the push there? Was, was Arnie Duncan, Duncan kind of put that together? Yeah, it was Arnie Duncan and um, Mayor Daley, um, um, the head of the Civic Committee uh, at the time, Eden Martin, they you know put together this uh, really big plan to create 100 new schools throughout Chicago. And um, I, was, I was still running, uh, Fracker was now CCA, and uh, they had this big announcement and it was, it was I think, a, a substantial effort to pull off, and um, I was asked to come in and help advise. And you know, honestly, I found myself as the only um, Chicago Public School, former Chicago Public School student, um, involved in, in the work. And you know, they asked me to come in and, and step in to run it. So that's what I did. So when that began, was that a um, was that heavily focused on the charter school movement in the beginning? Yeah, that? it was very much. Uh, it was very much uh, charter schools as well as um, you know um, traditional schools that were doing well. We had a number of um, traditional public schools that were phenomenal as well. In fact, I helped to build the replication for the first uh, magnet school in Chicago, um, Disney uh, Magnet. I helped mm -hmm. to replicate that, but you know we helped to. Um, work with a number of these extraordinary leaders throughout our city to establish 13 charter school networks. So, you know, really all of the charters that exist now um, it, it have been able to get to scale is, is really due to, due to a lot of that work. That's really, that's really interesting. That was, that was very valuable work back yeah. then because a lot of them, um, the early charters were a little bit uh, kind of held together with uh, bubble gum and string. Well, and you were involved in a lot of that. You were one of the <laughs> trailblazers, right? Yeah, so yeah, in that yeah. effort and um, I, but I think for me, you know, just again, you know, up close and personal as, you know, a person who grew up on the South Side, who, you know, went to school, you know, in Englewood and Roseland and Chatham, um, who could see personally the difference between kids who look like me getting access to a high quality school versus kids who didn't. You know, this for me was really about how do we create high quality schools throughout our city. So it truly was the most gratifying work I've ever had the opportunity to be a part of. How important is the concept of a neighborhood school in the future of education? Is it, is it, is it an important concept or is it more important that kids can kind of pick and choose as families where to go? Yeah, so that's, it's really interesting in this, um, in this context and thinking about a neighborhood school. I mean, you know, you certainly, I certainly believe that every neighborhood deserves a high quality school, but I think the geographic base of how we think about school is gonna look very, very different um, and has to in the future. I think this notion um, that we're, that, you know, the, 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 the students uh, that we're developing today um, and their ability to be competitive in the future, that they are gonna source all of the learning that they need within the four walls of, of, a, of a classroom in a neighborhood 
is 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 a little short-sighted, right? I mean, we mm -hmm. really need to be thinking about a broad, some broader pathways of access um, to knowledge and skills development very differently than, than we did in the past in the way that you and I went to school. I kind of draw an analogy occasionally that uh, a strategy for making the U.S. Post Office competitive again would be to build more post offices. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that that would work. I don't think that's a sustainable <laughs> I <don't think> answer. <laughs> I don't think it's a sustainable answer. I don't right. think it's a sustainable answer. I mean, I think for me, and this is part of the reason why I pivoted, um, out, of the, out of the new school's work to start Leap Innovations is because this, this old paradigm of one size fits all and thinking about you know, how, how, how school has been since the turn of the century, <laughs> I think needs to dramatically shift, right? I mean, we look at the majority of students that are in, in our elementary schools will have jobs that don't exist yet. And so we really have to rethink the kind of um, skills development and learning experiences and opportunities that we're creating for students. And that's kind of anchored in what we call our, our LEAP learning framework for personalized learning, which is, you know, every, which is about student pathways. So let's go into that. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's see how, let's talk, pick a school, any school, yeah. and uh, tell us how you go in there with your program and implement it. Yeah. Well, let, in fact, I'll pick CICS West Belden since I okay. know you're very familiar <laughs> with that with that model because you helped you helped to start it. Um, you know, we worked with um, uh, Belden's on the northwest side uh, in the West Belden community. Phenomenal group of leaders there. Um, high poverty uh, community and, and school, and um, you know, but they they really wanted to increase the engagement and increase the performance of the students um, in the school. And so we worked with that team to help them redesign and restructure um, their, their, the whole construct around, honestly, what school, what school means. And for us, it really comes down to how are you tailoring to the needs of every single student every single day. Um, you know, most of our schools in Chicago have um, six to seven performance levels within one classroom. So the notion that one teacher can teach to the needs of every single student is an impossibility. What happens is inevitably, you, you know, it's teach to the middle. The kids that are further along, disengage. Kids who need more help get left behind. So the restructuring around all this is first working with the educators to help them understand that one, they're not really tailoring or differentiating learning at the level needed in order to tailor learning to every single student. And then restructure the, the design of the classroom, the scheduling of, 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 of the day. Um, you know, you'll walk into to, to, to a school like Belden, you'll see grade levels within, um, you know, multiple grade levels within one classroom. Uh, teacher teams working together, um, all kind of anchored in a personalized learning pathway for every single student, tailored to their needs, interests, and strengths. Um, students that are that are uh, we call it learner led that are uh, getting their 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 agency and and having the autonomy to kind of co-design and and partner with their educator toward their goals. Every single student has their pathway, and so you'll see students self-navigating like you would in college. They know where they're supposed to be. Um, there are multiple modalities um, let's across. Go, let's go back a yeah. step. You said something that interests me, and I, and I haven't been in the school for yeah. a long time. So yeah. I, uh, you said multiple classes in one classroom with multiple instructors. Yeah. Are they in rooms based on ability instead of age? Is yeah. That, is that kind of what they are, so they're a little bit closer together in, in ability? 
They're closer together in ability because ability is is um, is jagged, right? I mean, the the, the proficiency level. Um, where where a, a second grader could be on, you know. Um, a higher, a third grade strand in, in, in one aspect of reading, but they could be, you know, operating at first grade, you know, on a, on a different strand. And the point is that a student has the ability to, um, oper to operate across a wider range That's of mastery. That's a good idea. Right? Instead of pigeonholing you know, pigeonholing kids they could be, they could into be in math one class specific thing. They could, math, they could be in first grade. In reading, they could be in third grade. And that's okay. That's okay. And that's okay. Um, and that's the point. And you know, and it doesn't make them you less do that by appropriate. Testing? They they you take a test, and then you kind of know where they are. They do it by um, informing more specific knowledge and information about every single student. Some of that is informed by tests. Some of it is informed by the best way the student learns. Some is it informed about their context, what they're grappling or dealing with at home, um, uh, where where their interests lie. So a lot of these um, inputs are created to develop these tailored pathways for every single student. And the beauty is for the educator, so you'll get a classroom, say their first through, first through third grade reading levels within one classroom. Um, the teachers, first, second, and third grade teachers are, are collaborating and they're working together uh, to troubleshoot and to support each other and to um, you know, double down with the student based on where their needs are. So, you know, it's, it's, it really, truly is a dynamic um, way of how education is going to be and look like. I really think in the future, uh, grade levels are going to be irrelevant. It really is about what you know. You know, one of the things that was stunning to me that I learned in the charter school movement um, was how when you test a kid when they're in kindergarten, sometimes they can be two grades behind already. Yeah. I have exactly. a grandson now in kindergarten, and he's he's ahead. Mm -hmm. And when they come into the kindergarten, they're already behind. And yeah. you say to yourself, "How can that be?" You know. And so, consequently, you have to have this. It sounds like you probably have to have this individual learning in place right at the beginning, at the very start. And and that's where I mean, we're starting from. You know, kindergarten. We're also involved uh, up to high school. Uh, at this point, mm -hmm. and um, you know, it's going to look a little different depending on the on on you know the the set of grades. But um, you know, you'll see combined classrooms. You'll see students, um, you know, navigating through different learning modalities. Sometimes they're working together as a group. Sometimes they're one on one with a teacher. Sometimes they're uh, doing some small group instruction. Um, sometimes they're independent. Um, it really depends on what their needs are at that at that time, but it's a uh, it's a much more engaging way. You know, I've, I've taken a number of folks to see our schools, and you know, the, the level of engagement and the level of understanding um, that a student has in terms of where they are and what they need to work on is 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 palpable. And you know, that kind of agency and confidence. Um, and, and self-directedness is, is about that learning agility that you're going to need in order to master, be masterful um, in, a, in, a, in a more ambiguous future. I was noticing that you have a very impressive uh, staff at your at Leap Innovations. I a do. lot of impressive people, yeah. great resumes. Um, I'm, I'm thinking that when you get a new school, you're heavy in that school the first year. You're, you're there a lot. And do you, yeah. can you can you pull back a little bit then and put your resources in the new schools later and, and, and keep that program going? Yeah, so you know the way we structured it um, to you know help ensure sustain 
flexibility. It starts with about six months of professional development training with the principal. So the, the teachers are co-designing with the principal um, to uh, go through a design process. Um, and it's, it's very intentional and very intense. Um, over the course of a year, that team is going through implementation and our team is uh, there twice a month doing job embedded coaching and training. Um, and then what happens is in most cases, those school teams are coming back for second year, third year um, until the full school is, is transformed. Um, but what we found is that because this is not like this isolated incident of like one teacher kind of learning this on their own and then kind of left to their own devices to kind of get support <laughs> back at their home school, it really is a teacher team concept that really supports the kind of change management that is necessary to make these, these changes sustainable and these approaches sustainable. And it's grown. I mean, it's, you know, the demand has grown so much. In Chicago, we've worked with about 140 schools. Chicago Public Schools has created a, a department for personalized learning because so many educators and, and schools are saying they need this and this is really the way they need to go. And I've got 30-year veteran teachers telling me that they will never go back to the OEA teaching again. Well, that's wonderful. So talk a little bit about your funding. Do you do, you do development work where you get, you get, you get you get charitable donations yeah, as, we get, we as get, well as public funding? Yeah, we get both. Um, we actually been, you know, just incredible benefactors of the Gates Foundation, um, CZI, the Dale Foundation, um, a lot of the local foundations here, uh, Pritzker, Crown, um, Joyce Foundation, uh, you know, just we have an incredibly uh, generous philanthropic community in Chicago that has been supportive of our work. We do. We do. Mm -hmm. And what percentage comes from private versus public? Um, your it's pretty small. I mean, I, um, you know, I'd say our, our public funding is, you know, probably 5%. Well, public's <laughs> small. Yeah, private's yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. That's because our public, you know, and, and again, we, we, we're a nonprofit and we, we structured this in a way where schools have to put skin in the game. Right. We thought that was pretty important, but we, right. do a lot, we do a lot of work supplementing the balance. Right. Yeah, that's, that's my viewers mm -hmm. would love love the fact that you're privately funded. That's yes. why I wanted to <laughs> get that out. I didn't oh, think yeah. it was the other way around. Yeah. So you, you you do work with all kinds of schools, though, not just CPS we do. schools, we charters. With, with do you charters, of, of course. We have the we know amongst the largest uh, uh, segment of charters in the country. We've got uh, the largest archdiocese school system in the country, so we're involved in the archdiocese, and then we're working with a number of the collar uh, suburbs as well. So um, you know Oak Park and um, uh, Hawthorne, um, as an example. Is there a program, and my ask this because my daughter is a principal of a special needs school up in uh, Northbrook. Yeah. Is, is there a, a program that works with special needs kids? E um, we have a number of special needs students um, in, our, in our portfolio. Right. And what's really, again, important about all this is that, you know, every student you know, is, is, is targeted and every student is supported in a way where the special needs population and our models are, you, you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, to be honest with you, because every student has their own personalized learning pathway. So it's, it's been a wonderful way of getting some of the special needs uh, student population into the mainstream classroom versus being, you know, having this isolated um, student experience. Okay. So in your work in these schools, um, what other organizations do you see that, besides the ones you and I have been involved with, do you mm -hmm. see they're doing good work? Other what other privately funded 
organizations, organizations. You, you come across in your work in these schools that you think is doing good work? In Chicago? Yeah. Oh my gosh, we have so many. We I mean we're, a couple. Oh my gosh. So um so I'm gonna can I say the Daniel Murphy part? Well, I, no, we're you not doing that. We're <laughs> not, we're not. <laughs> All right, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. The, you guys these, have been so these great. No, but Chicago Scholars is another one that Tell I'm us about deeply because you're on the board of Chicago Scholars. I am on the board of Chicago yeah. Scholars, but I think they took a they took a chapter out of Europe, but, they but did, but at the but at the at the college level right, again. Right. Same same strategy. Um, you know, working with juniors and seniors and um, you know, partnering with them deeply to get them through the FASB application, get them through the college um, process. You know, most of the students are first generation students right. uh, or col college students. And, um, you know, to have that day where, you know, you, you, know you, you, get the, you get the on site with you've got universities from all over the country right. coming here, meeting these students. And they've got Fulbright scholarships and acceptances on the same day. Who's the founder of that? It's year? amazing. Who's the founder? Well, Tim Shortfigger Shortfigger. was one of the key people who, you and Tim Tim is a founding board member of, of Leap Innovations. There you go. So he there has had go. his imprint on so many things in our city. Well, it's great. I mean, there's a lot of reason um, with organizations like yours to have hope that you know these things can get better here in Chicago, and things are getting better. Uh, sometimes our viewers. Uh, get a little overwhelmed with negativity. Yeah, we have a lot of great things going on in Chicago, and I, I will say this because I, I know, um, you know, just being being in the trenches now for what, geez, almost 15 years um, in education reform. You know, I do believe this is the future, and Chicago's leading. I mean, this is part of the reason why we've gotten such a big investment nationally in Chicago because we are the largest urban demonstration site for personalized learning in the country. And we are really driving a lot of this work through research, through, um, we have double digit gains over, this, over the district's um, improvement in literacy. Um, and so we are really showing that um, this, this, this work can really drive uh, trajectory growth for students and, and position our, our students for the future. Great. Well, congratulations. <laughs> You're really you. doing wonderful stuff. And uh, I'm really glad we were able to bring this to the a few people that watch me on this, watch us <laughs> on this, and uh, to see that, that there's a, there is a reason for great hope, and, uh, and your program is one of them. Thank you so much. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thanks for joining <laughs> me.